Hello and welcome to the Dad Jeans Podcast. My name is Didon, and along with my co-hosts, Harris and Brian, each episode will unpack, examine, and discuss the DNA of healthy fathering. While all three of us are fathers, the road to fatherhood has been different for each of us. It's our hope that those differences and the perspectives they bring will only add to the conversation. Thanks for listening. In this episode, we did things a little differently. Instead of welcoming one special guest, we welcomed three. In honor of Mother's Day, each member of the crew hosted a one-on-one interview with his mother. We're excited to share the interviews and our impressions of them with you. But before we do all that, let's check in. Fellas, what's good? Hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we jumped on, the Don went ahead and dropped the bomb on us talking about we sound like we've been chewing on gizzards. Uh, what in the world does that I'm mean? I'm trying to get clear quality sound, and I get mouth noise that sound like an old man trying to keep his teeth in. What's going on with y'all? I mean, out of all of the analogies, yeah, gizzards? they make your teeth I mean, slip out. I, uh, uh, hey, what? Let's let's okay. Wait, nope. let's analyze this. You listen, ain't from the south. How, what you know about Oklahoma, gizzards? But that's not the purpose of today's show. This is. <laughs> this said, giblets. Giblets, yeah, he did. not giblets, but you know, we we focus it. We focus it. Uh let's do our check-in. Harris, what's good? Hey, 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 man. I'm gonna go ahead and let you just, um, just keep it moving. Um man, it's a season of transitions, man. Um for all the listeners who've been with us consistently, y'all y'all have kind of heard all the different changes in my life. Well, there's a big one now. I'm going to be starting a new job. Um, joining a uh, uh, joining a consulting group around that uh, does a lot of work around diversity, inclusion, and equity, uh, and belonging. And it, it's exciting. Uh, going to be around a lot of great people. Uh, as y'all heard, I started a new business. I got you still my first told client. Us, told us your business name. Uh, Harris. Unifies. Okay. Dope. Just that. Harris Unifies. Uh, so that's what I do, man. I, I bring people together. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it's actually two companies that I work with. One, I work with Align Performance. and um, But the one that I'm starting up is Harris Unifies. Unifies. Um, so, yeah, man, super busy. And on top of all of that, I got my second COVID vaccine. Congratulations. Right. So um, it was funny because I uh, I didn't get really get sick. I, I just had a little bit of nausea, but uh, I got it in my right arm because of like, you know, what, what's those people who are always afraid that they get sick? Hypochondriac. I can be a little bit of a hypochondriac, so I didn't want to get it in my left no. arm. And be like, like, oh, no. Oh, I'm having a heart attack. You know, so I got it on my right arm because I got to admit, if I had this stiffness in my left arm, I'd be freaking out right now. Hey, whatever, whatever helps. Know thyself. <laughs> yeah, gotta know thyself. Gotta know thyself. You know, so transitions. God is good, man. I'm, yeah, I'm blessed. All right, that's great, man. It's good to hear too, man. I can hear it in your voice, man. It sounds like there's been a weight that's been lifted. Yeah. So it's good to be able to uh, to bask in somebody else's sunshine. So I, that's a blessing, man. That's huge. What's good with you? No B? doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, listen. 
it's not been um, a, a week of of uh, boredom, um, and still, it's been a lot of excitement. My mom actually went back uh, to Milwaukee last week, so that was bittersweet. Um, but it was great to actually have three full weeks to engage and for her to hang out with the family and, and hang out with with the kids. Um, set up a nice little space for her in our basement. And so it was like her own little apartment. And so that it was just great just seeing her really just kind of just gel with the crew, gel with the family and gel with the kids. And so that was great. But one of the best things that happened during that time was that um, Faiza and I got away for a staycation. We had an opportunity for one of the in-laws to watch Nas and for my mom to watch baby girl. And so um, we actually got a hotel uh, about... 45 minutes outside of where we are and just really enjoyed our time together. Um, went to a mall. I remember two episodes ago, I talked about driving past the mall. So we actually went into a mall. Bruh, listen, you would have thought that COVID was not a thing. I'm oh, like, really? do you really need Jordans right now? Where the heck are you going? I like, thought you were going to say the opposite, man. Man, listen, it was packed. Like it looked like Thanksgiving. Oh, it looked like Thanksgiving, but there were a couple of stores that had lines and ropes outside the store. So people had to wait to go in. So they were doing socially distance and, and kind of looking at quality control within the stores. But, you know, over all of that, it was just good for, for Pfizer and I to have some time just to be together and just to hang out and order room service. And we watched the uh, Hangover 2 uh, three times um, because <laughs> HBO at the hotel was whack. But anyways, it's just good to kind of have that rejuvenation and just spend that time with 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 my wife. So nice. other than that, things is good, man. Things are good. So I cannot complain. How about you, D? Yeah, this has been a really trying week for me. Um I typically am able to shake off uh, challenges or kind of lean into them, but this week just kept pushing back. So um, Ella and I weren't haven't been on the smoothest um, path for the for the past maybe two weeks, which is fine. There's nothing outside of um, you know. There's nothing odd about that. But she got into the car when I picked her up, and uh, she had a breakdown. You know, um, school was hard, but I think what it was, was the pandemic finally hit her. You know, it, she has been a trooper throughout, uh, which is, which is also something to, to be kind of concerned of because I think sometimes our kids give us what they think we want to see and not just what they're, what mm-hmm. they're going through, but, but she, she let it all out right. and I was glad and we talked about it and, um, so that was good, but it was tough because I, you know, I kind of took that weight on myself. Like I should have seen some of these things and there's work that I could have done. So the next day when I, when I picked her up, um, instead of just kind of jumping right into our routine, I, I figured, you know, it's a nice day. Uh, we went, grabbed some Chipotle and we went to Rock Creek Park, which has been like an oasis for us throughout uh, the pandemic. So we ate by the water, we fed ducks. Um, it was just a really good time. And then we got back to the car and my car had been broken into. Uh, yeah, uh, busted the window. And, and the, the, the odd thing is, 
you know, and I'm not going to be one of those, oh, I can't believe it would happen in this neighborhood. But it was, you know, by the embassies off of, um, if you're in D.C., um, near Connecticut Avenue. So I say that to say that these things happen everywhere, you know. But yeah. what Ella said is, I don't feel safe anymore. And and that mm. was hard, you know, because, because uh, of sorry, all the dude. things that, you know, particularly in the past year that, that we fought to yeah. like be really, really thoughtful in terms of how we introduce her to things, how we deal with things, how we have conversations. And, and to be honest, mm. what she said was, I don't feel safe. But what I internalized was her saying, I don't feel safe with you because she then said, can we call mommy? Mm. And it, it was a blow. It was, it was a blow. So, you know, I, I know the, the quality of my fatherhood will never be determined on one day. Um, and I know that there's not much I could have done right. in that set of circumstances, but, um, it was tough. It was tough. And I'm, and I'm still kind of piecing it, uh, together because there are things that I can learn and things that, that I'm going to need to put in place moving forward. <laughs> but, um, yeah, man, that's been the week. So I'm glad that the week is over, but um, yeah, it, it, it took a, it took a. It, it, so, so Dina, yeah. I did want to ask. Um, yeah, have you been have you been doing anything, or did you do anything to kind of yeah. recover? Uh, you know, like emotionally. Sure. Or? So it's it's funny. the The first thing I did was, um, you know, I'm in workout mode. I like to. Kind of, I think of my problems as knots, and and I think that I I do better at untying those knots when I'm um, exerting myself physically, and and, and so mm-hmm. since the, after the initial issue, I did. I went on a long swim. I went on a bike ride. I went on a run. Um, but then after the window got bu- busted, man, I, I made it a Netflix day. Like I was just like, you know what? Yeah. I'm just gonna chill. Um, let it wash over me, lick yeah. my wounds, you know. And, and it's we say this all the time, but not in real time. It's okay not to be okay. Um, but yeah. you know, we tend to say that to somebody else. We don't give ourselves permission to yeah, not yeah. be okay. But you know, I one of the things that that I thought yesterday is if I went out today, I don't think I would be able to focus on on what I'm doing because of everything else that happened. So I'm just going to let the day wash over me. And um, and that's what I did. Yeah. And I feel much better today. So I appreciate you asking. Good. I'm glad, Good. I'm, I'm glad Good. to hear you, you took some time, man. Those yeah. blows are real. No, absolutely. Yeah. And they happen unexpectedly, and that's the worst, because you can yeah. never be prepared. I mean, in isolation, yeah. most of the things that happen, we can take care of. But what happens in isolation? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, Almost nothing. So, yeah, before we jump into the topic today, um, we got the question of the day. And uh, B, I think it's on you, right? Question Question of of the week. week. Question of the week. Yes, here is the question of the week. So, oh my gosh. Do you need to drink some water first? Who, me? I told you he sound like a dude who's been eating gizzards. (laughs) (laughs) You ain't want to listen. But now you hear the mouth noise. (laughs) <laughs> I'm about to call everything out right now, y'all. Listen, I can't wait till y'all be talking. Listen. All right, here we go. I'm gonna make this. No, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, uh, uh-uh, uh. Here we go. Hey, no, question literally. of the week. Question no, of the week. Seriously. Do you have water? 
serious. I don't know what water is. Uh, I speak English, hurt not people, Baltimore. Hurt people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. W A D D. Capital R. Water. So the question of the week is as fitting tribute to the topic that we are going to be discussing today. I wanted us to think about some songs and thinking specifically about our mothers. What is a song that honors mothers? Or what is your favorite song that honors mothers? That is not a traditional mother song, meaning it's not Mm. Dear Mama by Boys the Men. It's not Hey Mama by Kanye West. What is a song that is a non-traditional song that best honors your mom? Oh, I got mine. I was about to say a joke. I ain't going to even say that because I love Bobby too much. You and I, T.Y. by Queen Latifah. Okay. It's the only time that cursing was allowed in the house. What did they say specifically for those that have never heard the song, D? It starts out with Queen Latifah saying, who you calling up? And then, you know... Because <laughs> I heard that playing on the radio, and I was just like, if it's playing on the radio and it's clean, I could say it. My mom was like, I mean, I would say it, but since all three of our moms are going to hear this this podcast, I don't want I don't want the walk. Don't away. do that. But don't but do yeah, that. My mother no. loves that song, and 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 I get it okay. because you know rap was something that was that was common in my very in my formative years, and very little of it portrayed women in a positive, much less. I'll say portray women in a not negative, much less empowered light. And so um, when that song came out, that was one of those, turn that up. Oh, yeah, that's my jam. And I would be like, oh, come on, of all the things. But um, (laughs) yeah, that's a UNITY by Queen Latifah. Nice, nice. I would have to say mine is... What um, Nina Simone song, Michelle and Dele and Chego song you got? And Chega? <laughs> I don't know her name, but you got some some in, folk music or something. Go in, ahead. And Chega. It's Tifa okay. Slipping Go Harris. You got a good uh, <laughs> <you> gotta... <laughs> uh, uh, So I would have to say uh, I'll be there, you know, the Michael Jackson version. Uh, especially specifically the line, uh, you know, don't you know, baby? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's my that's my part. And uh when I think about my mom. <laughs> Um, you know, like in the family, she's that person that, that shows up. Like if there's somebody who can't make it, um, you could almost rest assured mom played a role with making sure that they were there. Um, and she's, yeah, she's just that rock. She's that dependable, um, entity, uh, of the family. So yeah, I'll be there. What about you, man? I know. I know you got something good. What's it gonna be? Just a gap band, outstanding. Um, uh-huh. oh, just that's good. you know the way the song starts off with like those drums, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's a progression in in the song, like heavy bass, and then you know just the vocals, like it's multi layered, multi faceted, um, just like my mom's. And it was funny because uh, during um, Fiza and I's wedding, um, you know, for the 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 dance with my moms, uh, that was the song that we ended with. So she knew what the pre-song was. Um, and then the DJ just 
dropped the music and then all of a sudden Outstanding came on. So it's sort of not only uh, reminds me of my mom's, but it's a special track too. So, so be, real quick, so, is yeah. this a song that is important to your mom or is this a song that every time you hear it, it makes you think of your mom? Every Got time it. I hear it, okay. I think of my mom's. But it's funny because even before I knew that I was going to use that song for the wedding, I always thought of my mom's mm. when that song came on. Mm. I always, and, and it, it wasn't until I was in my 20s that I actually listened to the, the lyrics. Um, but, but every time I hear that, I just think about my mom's. That's beautiful. That's a good one. And you know, after hearing your mom's story, it, it's so fitting. <laughs> like, I Listen, completely she did see try that. To- when she, she had that belt in her hand, when she had that, man, she sure did. Jack. <laughs> Girl, you not win. Mama, stop, stop playing. Please stop playing. Anyways, y'all, y'all got jokes so and for those jokes. Listening, you'll get an opportunity to hear what Harris is referring to in a moment. Um, but yeah, so this episode is going to be our tribute to our mothers, and we did something a little different since we couldn't, we would not be able to control uh, three different interviews live. We each separately um, interviewed our mothers. And so we're going to start with Brian's interview of his mom. And um, yeah, but before you jump into the, before we jump into the interview, Brian, is there anything you want to say or is there anything that stood out for you? I was just honored and excited to have this opportunity for her and her story to, to live on in the podcast universe. Um, we talk all the time, but it was so interesting really having a scripted scripted conversation based on what we just, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, it was just a surreal experience. It was uh, a scary experience too, because um, you never really know when interviewing um, anyone how it's all going to come out and, 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 and play out. But it was definitely something that I was excited about and really think that we got a great product and being able to just, you know, have my mom talk about our relationship. You know, I was, I was wondering, was there anything that you really, you were like, look, if I'm going to interview my mom, we're going to talk about this one thing. Like, was there one thing that you really wanted to come up? No, not no, not 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 exactly. I just really wanted it to be natural and organic, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that's how our conversations are, and I think that's that's what we got. And it's so interesting because the essence of our conversation was about me as a child, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't necessarily about me and my adolescence or, or me as a father. It was more so of talking about my origin. And that really came out in our conversation. And it has a lot to do with how I parent Nas today. So I think that that was the beauty of the conversation and that wherever it goes, it went. Let's check it out. Perfect. Love you, Ma. So so this is exciting because I'm actually interviewing my mama. So I'm going to call you my mama. Well, I guess so, because that's what I am. That's true. That is true. Okay. But I'm not going to call you by your first name. Okay. Is what I'm saying. Unless okay. unless you're okay with me calling you by your first name. No. Okay. I'll call you mama. 
I was going to say, Negro, you don't call me by my first name. That is true. There are some families where that is that is fine. It definitely ain't in this family. Right. <laughs> right. Get it straight. Don't get I, it twisted. I, yeah, I would, I would definitely not do that. So this is interesting because you are actually in town. We are actually having this with you in-house because COVID has kept us apart for a year. So you've listened to the podcast. You heard me talking about you all the time. Hope I'm making you proud. And whenever I embarrass you, it's out of love. How can it be out of love? Didn't you used to say you only whoop me because you love me? Well, that's what that what that you got about to do with it. You was about to no, cut. I was gonna say what love got to do with it. That's what I was going to say. What love got to do with it? Well, everything we do out of, is out of love, right? Okay. So I'm, I'm okay. really I'm really happy to be having uh, this moment with you, and you've had an opportunity to to meet. Uh, baby girl for the first time. Oh, but here we go. Let the world know what you call baby girl and baby boy. Well, baby girl is peanut. Okay. And baby boy is pumpkin. If that ain't black, I don't know what well, is. Well, that's because two peas because they're both perfect. Oh, thank you, thank you. It's that. Listen, that means a lot to me. That my kids are perfect, but I was never perfect. Well, no, you had some work that needed to be done. <laughs> <laughs> I had to work on you. That's cold blood. That's yeah, you, there was some work that needed to be done. That's cold blood. But you know what they say about grandmothers, that grandparents, they're better with their grandkids than they were with their kids. That is easier, I should say. Well, I, I appreciate because you've been here for, I think, what, two weeks now? And you've been extremely helpful. And I am, I'm, I'm really thankful that you are here. One, because you're vaccinated. Two, that you're actually in the place to be. And then three, you're seeing the kids. Yeah. Like, and you're engaging with the kids. And yes. so, um, why don't you let the world know who you are and what you represent, whatever you want the world to know. Well, I don't think there's too much to know about me. I am Brian's mom. I'm Connie Jackson. I'm also known as Kama. Yeah. Uh, to, tell, my, to my baby boy here. Tell her why I call you Kama. He calls me Kama because when he was younger, uh, he just walked around the house looking like this little dude. So I gave him a name, Duty. So that's what I call him. That's my nickname for him, Duty. And then he told me in his little boy voice that if I'm going to call him Duty, he's going to call me Kama. And I said, well, what does Kama mean? That's Connie and Mama. So he has always been Duty forever, as far as I can remember, as soon as he learned how to talk. And I've always been Kama. There you go. So it was also because if I called her comma, she would get mad. So I was trying to bend the rules and she got real mad when I said Connie. And she's like, what you saying? And I was like, but I'm going to call you mama. So it's comma. And then I think I told you in church when I was about to get a whooping. Well, you was always bending the rules. That's that's for sure. That that there because is. We didn't have no straight line. It was always bent and twisted and everything else. Lines are meant to be bent. I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I can tell you for sure, he took me to the limit. No. Yeah, okay, I did. I mean, you made me proud on a whole lot of things, and but uh, as far as my nerves and everything, he tested everything that I told him not to do. He's like, I'm going to see, can I do this and what's going to happen? I did. I did, but I turned out all right, and you got two perfect grandchildren, so right. hey, everything works out the way it's supposed to. All right. So we're actually having this conversation on the verge of the uh, Derek Chauvin trial. 
And I heard you watching a little bit of it downstairs. So when you think about what it was like raising me in Milwaukee and what I am faced with in raising pumpkin and peanut now. Do, and I pray for covering um, every day. It's a different world uh, today than it was when Brian was growing up. You know, if he got in a fight, I would be upset, but I know he might come up, come home beat up, but or somebody was beat up, but he was coming home and I didn't have to worry about him not coming home. But today, with everything that's that's going on, you know, you have to pray a blessing over your kids every time they leave. And as I used to tell him and his sister, you know, when they go out, they got to be better. You got to you got to do better than uh, everybody else does, because if you don't, you know, then there's there's a target on you or they look down on you. And nowadays, you know, it's unfair that you almost got to be 10 times better than you used to have to be. You have to be alert on everything that's going on, you know, and just be, keep your head on a swivel. Keep your head on a, on a swivel and, and what's going on and what's coming down and what could go down. That's exhausting. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. You know, it's a lot for the kids and it's a lot for the parents who have to pour into the kids to tell them uh, how they should be acting. And then hope and pray that after you poured all that stuff in the, into them, that they turn out okay, that they don't have PTSD. Well, I guess they could have that. Yeah. They could have that because I just remember, I remember your sister asking me, how come when we go in the store, we can't touch anything or people be looking at us funny and and we can't try nothing on? And I said, they don't know us. So we can do what we want to do. I know you're going to be good. I don't know about Brian all the time, but, you know, I was touching stuff. Oh, yeah. You was doing everything. (laughs) (laughs) I was touching stuff. <laughs> you was you was doing a little, little, about it, little bit of everything, but I was like, I know you're gonna do right because you're my kids, and I know you know what right is, and we're not gonna worry about them, you know, because I'm here. But the parents can't always be there. Yeah. So you know, again, I just pray that, and I know you will. You pray a covering over your kids every time they step out of the door. Yeah. And. I, when I was younger and I was doing my shenanigans back at home and you would write those notes when I would break the curfew. We talking about the notes? We going to go there? I'm just saying, like, you'd be like, your butt ain't home and it's past your curfew. But, but, but I say all of that to say this. I didn't understand the context of how what happens outside of that house puts me in harm. And it makes you worry. So now as a parent, I now get it. Now he gets it. Yes. So for the world to know, my bad, mama. My bad. Mm. Well, we should back up and and talk about these curfews because I put the curfews in place and Brian knew doggone well he wasn't going to adhere to what it was. That's not true. 99.9% of the time, I was going to be late. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So I wanted him to know 
that I knew exactly what time he got there. So every 10 or 15 minutes, I put another note on the bed. It yeah, is now 12.15 and you are not here. I'm like, ain't nothing changed from 12.15. To 12.25. Ain't nothing, but the note did. And right. my naive butt was like, the more notes, the more whooping. But he didn't, he was just like, whatever. But, but I tell you this, as I look back, that is a lot of worry, especially now in a society where you don't ever want that phone call. That's right. You want to know that when your kids leave, that they are reflections of every value that you've developed in them and some. But there are factors bigger than our children that don't care what those values are. Right. And just like when I was writing those notes or when your kids get a little bigger and they go out, you feel like when they are under your care, when you are with them, they are protected and you know what's going down or you can control the situation that's going down. But when they're outside, you know, they don't have you there. They don't have that protection. And all you can do is is to pray that they will do the right thing, which I'm sure that they will. But it's not about what they will do. Mm -hmm. It's about what society will do. Mm -hmm. And that was the reason for all of those notes, for staying up, being worried, just wondering what somebody else may do to you. And, you know, I was always your advocate. You know, no matter what went down, yeah. I was like, just tell me the truth. Yes. And yes. if you tell me the truth, I'm going to tell you if you're wrong, but I'm on your side. That's true. And I will go to task. You've done you. that. Oh, you, yeah. You've done that. Yeah, there were some times you was a mama should night. I was sitting there like, you go to church, right? Right. But I'm like, when you, when you, and you, and you know it too, you know it too. When they, somebody comes up against your child, against your seed, it's on. Yeah. Yeah, no questions. I'll ask questions later. Right. I'll ask questions later. So I want to see if you remember this. Remember, <clears throat> we went to uh, the mall with the Northridge and we went to uh, JCPenney's. I, th I had to be like five, six or seven. And remember, I hid from you and I hid in one of those turnstile clothing racks. Yep. And you went to, to look for me. I couldn't find you. And you couldn't find me. And you were stressing out, and you told me you went to the uh, security, and I heard my name, like, Brian, please come. Your mama looking for you. And then I just opened up the clothes, and I was like, I've been here all alone. And you got... I think I, I told you up. Yeah, you told me up. Yeah, I, I thought I told you up. Yeah, I would never do that again. <laughs> yeah, I'd never do that again. But I think about what if one of my kids did that same thing? And the amount of immediate stress, worry, and concern. So you never really understand until you are put into the driver's seat all of the hazards and cautions. Because when people talk about parenting, it's like the beautiful side of everything. But then once you really get into it, you realize how complicated and, and, and how hard it is. You've been here now, like I said, about two weeks. And you've seen me with Nas and baby girl. What are some things that differ from your experiences with me that I'm doing a little bit differently with, with my kids? 
Well, back in the day. Yeah, you could whoop kids. You could whoop them. They wasn't calling 911. And each one of your children are different. Yes. Uh, my daughter, all you had to do was tell her you were disappointed. And she would act like you beat her to death. She would be crushed. And Brian? That ain't work. Early on, I knew he was going to be taller and bigger than me. So I took the stances that I had to make sure that he knew no matter how much bigger that he got than me, that I was the one that was still in control. So it may not have been right, but it was the way that I handled it. And I think he respected it for me, uh, respected me for, you know, how I how I handled him. But, you know, he used to always get mad because, yeah, he would get a whooping. He would do something. He would stand in front of me. I'd try to give him a couple of licks on his hand. And he would look you, me in the can, eye. Can, can you can you classify? Let the let him know what licks are. I, I wasn't sitting there licking your fingers. Like no, no. I would I would get a belt. <laughs> I would you. get a belt. I can't have the people would, listening. Like what? What's no, going on in their house? No, I would get a belt. Tell him to put out his hand, and I would only want to give him a couple of. Uh, you you can't even. Licks. Say. I still gotta say it. <laughs> I just want to hit him a couple of times. But what he would do is he would stare me in the eye and he would be looking at me like, that's all you got? And I would be tired. I'm, I'm trying to figure out what this look is. I wish I could see that look because how am I, I looking at it, you like I won't know? I see it like uh, like Nas may look at you if you get mad when he gets mad about something. But he would just look down at me, look down at this little woman. What? You would look down at me. You sitting there painting a picture like I'm like six eight, and you well, like two I'm, four. I'm five three. I'm five three, and Brian was uh, he just was shooting up, and he ended up what are you six four? Yeah. So I was five three. So maybe in the fourth grade he was taller than me. But anyway, I would just hit his hand a couple of times, and he would just stand there like that's all you got, and I would get tired. Of hitting his hand because he just kept staring me in the eye. I felt like he was trying to intimidate me. I wasn't trying to do none of that. That's what he was doing. No, I, how? 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 What? I, well, I wish they could see, and then I could I could show them. But anyway, that's like you telling me to look at my face. How can I look at my face? I'm like when my mother was giving me a whooping, I was not staring her in the eye. I was crying by the first lick because I wanted look, her to stop. But look how it turned out. Yeah, I ain't laying. Well, I ain't. I ain't laying my hands on 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 my son or my daughter. So we we are trying something new. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. There there isn't. There isn't a one size fits all model for those two kids that are totally different. Right. I remember my mother told me uh, when I had my two kids. She said, "Yeah, you guys thought we raised y'all all wrong, and now you're reading Doctor Spock, and you're doing something different." I didn't know what she was talking about, but whatever I was doing, I know what I did. I always thought my kids needed to have a voice. And when I was growing up, I couldn't have a voice. I couldn't say what was right or I what I talk, felt was yeah. right or wrong. I remember you talking about So that. I let them have a voice, and she just thought that that wasn't, that wasn't right. Well, we were in a different uh, era then, so I let them what have a voice. What did they say back in the day to kids? It's because I said so. Pretty much. Don't, don't touch nothing. Don't look for nothing, because you ain't going to get nothing. Right. But I, I let you have... You still wasn't getting nothing. <laughs>
let you say why you want it. Man, that was great, my dude. <laughs> Glad you enjoyed it, man. Oh, it's so good, man. I love you I love it. your mom's energy, bruh. And I feel like I I feel like I know you a lot better now. Like, like, oh, that's that's where that spark comes from. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Not the brunt of the joke right now, huh? Am I? You're back there now. Uh, but <laughs> no, no, no. But real talk, real talk. I do want to know. Uh, like, okay, there was one thing that stuck out to me. It was um, when she was talking about Nas, and y'all were kind of having that whole discussion about how you know how she would do things versus how you would do things. Um, so obviously, at some point, you said I was going to do things different uh, yeah. as it pertains to you know discipline, and I was really wondering was that a conscious decision that you came up with when you were younger being parented or was that, you know, like, Oh, once I learned this, I'm going to do things different. Like what was the origin? That's so funny that you say that because having been a child that was disciplined in the way that I was disciplined, I immediately thought that that was normal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I went into pre-Nas, you know, Nas get out of line and cut up, get that belt. Uh, but it wasn't until I really started to activate my experiences with kids, being a, an educator, thinking about the relationship that I have or that I would have with my child, as well as being more of the type of parent that communicates that really gets down to the impetus, right? That gets to the why and based in what the outcome is, a reasonable next step instead of the go-to, right? And so, um, you know, it wasn't if we did anything that we did anything different as much as it was Nas is a different kid than what I, than, than me, right? Mm -hmm. Like Nas mm -hmm. didn't grow up in the neighborhood that I grew up in, right? Perhaps my mom's approach was based on fear and survival. And mine's is based on understanding and, and truth, you know? And so, and so, yeah, that, that was essentially just the way that I approached it. I just want you to know, I thought it was beautiful because I could see some families like fighting about that, mm. you know? And the fact that y'all were able to kind of talk about it and just be like, you know, even with her, Saying, well, you didn't take it. You no. took no offense whatsoever. You was like, yeah, I know. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, yes. I thought it was cool, man. <laughs> I just, I really enjoy how y'all, how y'all, your chemistry, I guess. Appreciate I that. that. Yeah. I appreciate that. You know, my mom is, is, is my friend. Um, but my mom's is also someone that I respect. Um, but we had to go through a lot, man. And, and as you heard, you know, I wasn't the easiest kid to raise, but I also wasn't the kid that was getting in trouble. You know, and it was more than just testing limits as much as it was, how can I in this world be a part of it instead of just being lost in it? And in my discovery, I did things that perhaps, you know, if Nas did, it'd be a different story. But my mom handled it with grace. Sometimes she didn't, um, but it was all based in love. Mm -hmm. Good stuff, man. No doubt, man. Thanks for the questions. I also got a, a, a glimpse into the relationship that you have with your moms as well. And listen, I've met Reverend Tay um, and just her spirit is one at which the first time I walked into her house, I knew that I was home. I knew that I, that, that I was at home. And so 
what I want our listeners to be able to do is just sit back, relax, and listen to the story of Harris and and and, and Reverend Tay. But before we start, what was that experience like? And looking at your mom on the other side of that microphone, speaking truth to her story. You know, first and foremost, my whole thing was just about her comfort. So uh, in the communication with my mom and preparing for it, she thought that um, she needed to dress up. You know what I mean? So we were supposed to do it. We were supposed to record at like 6 o'clock. And it's like six fifteen. I'm like, what is she doing? What's taking so long? You know? And then I got, she she comes out and she is done up, and I'm in a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, I'm in my I'm in my, my undershirt, just kind of like, uh, oh yeah. And um, it it just it, that's my mom. You know what I mean? Like if she gonna show up, she gonna show up, and she always assumes that the situation is worth all of her time. You know, all of her presentness. Uh, so so that even even that alone put me in the right headspace. It just makes me want to just protect her. You know, like so when she was sitting down at the computer, I just wanted to make sure she didn't have any anxiety. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, my mom, she's the one as soon as the phone goes, she Harris. Yes. You know, bloop, hey. and I remember when I just got her to get an iPhone and, and it was just she was like, bruh. <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, man, it was surreal. It was just, it's you know, even though you're the son, you you get into protective modes, mm-hmm. and um, if anything, there was just this, these moments when she was talking, and I was like, I hope this isn't too much. Yeah, you know, my my mom's been through a whole lot uh, throughout her life, and I just I, I wanted it to be real, but I also didn't want to open any wounds that I couldn't close. Hey, let's get after it, man. Thanks, man. No doubt. Hello, hello. This is Harris Tay, and I am blessed to be here today with my mother, Reverend Stella Tay. For those of you who are regular listeners to the show, you know, when I first time I came on, I started by uh, introducing myself by my name, uh, Harris, which for a lot of people, that's a common last name. And in Kojo, the day of the week that I was born, you see Harris is common as a Panamanian first name. And Kojo, my father, is West African from Ghana. So they name you after the day that you were born. So today we're going to talk about my Panamanian side. And the way that I'm going to do that is through, channel it through my mom. How are you doing, Reverend Stella Tay? I am doing well, thank you. Good, good. Thank you for uh, taking this time for your son. Tell me a little, tell, tell the people a little bit about yourself. As Harris mentioned, I am from Panama. I was, grew up in Panama. From, uh, my parents are West Indian. Um, I guess we could, if we're really going to go back, Africa, through Barbados, through Cuba, to Panama. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would start off by saying that as a child, growing up in Panama, I had no idea that 
Today I would be sitting in Maryland as my home. But oh. yes, I, I did my high school, my elementary school, high school, and then I migrated to the United States. So basically I've spent more of my life in the United States than I have in Panama. But uh, the roots is there, and as Harris mentioned, he's Harris is my dad's name, so we, we, we share the love with his African side, his daddy being from Ghana, and incorporating both sides. Um, yeah. What else? So it's, it's, <laughs> it's funny because, you know, so you know, I asked you about your story. And then at the end, you started, you know, talking about me, which I get now as a father, I get how that happens. You know, you have your children and so much of your life is dedicated towards, you know, making a way for your children. I guess my first question would be, you know, you said a little bit about you never saw yourself in Maryland. Did you ever see yourself with, you know, three children? Um you know, raised in America. Well, well, I guess that's what I was sort of hinting to when I said I I started out as a teenager in Panama, involved in the school, the church. I don't think I ever had an idea that at this stage in my life I would be here in the United States. But as a late teen as many aspire in, in foreign countries to come to the United States. You know, they they paint the picture of the, the, the streets paved with gold and you, everybody mm. wants to come here to see what, what uh, the United States has to offer. I had two sisters who were already here and they encouraged me to come, Arneta and Etni, my older sisters. So as soon as I said yes, they had the paperwork ready for me to get on the plane to come. Growing up in the church, I've always seen my journey as a service journey. And hmm. most of my years working in New York as an administrative secretary was in a hospital setting, which allowed me to live that, um, that ministry. Uh, I was able to to minister to the sick as as I worked in my role as secretary to the director of nursing and later to hospital administration. But that gave me the opportunity to to really serve and attach myself to the pastoral care end of the hospital as well. So that in itself was a blessing. Uh, during that time, I had we we had Harris, which in itself was a surprise. Not 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 really a surprise, but my husband, Reverend Manuel Tay, had children from previous marriage, and I had children from a previous marriage. So really, we we weren't pressed to have a family an additional. But God said, "Guess what? Surprise." <laughs> So, um, so we did. Uh, while living in Maryland, I felt the call to continue to pursue my um, ministry. So I enrolled 
at Wesley Theological Cemetery. Cemetery. It is a cemetery. <laughs> listen, see, for all the seminarians that listen to our we show. We always say the yeah. Theological Seminary. <laughs> and um, where I earned a master's in religious education. It was consecrated a diaconal minister in the United Methodist Church and later was ordained a deacon in full connection, which, which always prompts uh, an explanation because we know that deacon means different things in different denominations. The deacon is ordained to service, justice, and um, so we tend, we tend mostly to deal with ha more hands-on relationship between the membership and uh, focusing on getting the membership to live out their ministry in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, so that's, that's pretty much <laughs> what I have done in my life and thank God for the, the three biological children that God saw fit to give me plus my extended children from the two marriages combined that we have a blended family of nine and and I praise God for that as well and, and, so, and now we're to the point where we're getting grandkids so it's continuing to grow so yeah. you, you you brought up something that triggered a memory uh, you, you mentioned when you were going to seminary I remember when I graduated college um, there was a moment when I when I got my master's where you asked if I understood um, you know now that I had been through the process uh, you asked if I understood you know why I guess you know why you were, were gone um, during the time of doing your master's and I was actually I was shocked when you asked that because I never I never felt abandoned I never felt like you weren't there for me um, but I can you speak a little bit about that like do you remember saying that to me do you remember I, that feeling? I, I, I don't remember specifically asking the question but I wouldn't doubt it because I know that um, during my time in seminary, I, you, you juggle, juggling mm -hmm. a job and home and church, doing all these different things together. And I always saw you as being committed to me, really, because mm -hmm. many nights I would come home get home at midnight almost and you would be laying on the couch waiting for me to come home and I, I appreciated that and I kept telling I don't know if you remember I kept saying just, just hold on till I finish with seminary and then I'm going to be focused on you <laughs> and um, <laughs> so yes that, that was something that was that really touched me because as I said uh, I would have to go to work, go to school. There was a time when I actually had to stay on campus overnight once a week because my church history class was at 9 o'clock in the mornings, which there was no way I was going to get to Baltimore, to Washington, D.C. by 9 o'clock in the morning. So I would leave home on Tuesday morning, go to work, 
go to school, we would stay in the dorm, and then go to class in the morning, go back to work, so I won't get back home until Wednesday evening. So during all that time, I felt that 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 need to be connected with you, and as I said, you would always be there. I always remember that, that I would walk in the door and you would be right there in the living room, laying on the couch, waiting for me to come home before you would go to bed. That was special. So so when you say that that I asked that question, I have no doubt that I did. Because mm. I was hoping that you would understand what I was doing and why. Mm. Yes. That's wow. Uh, so I I think I had always thought that it was uh, you know, teenage boy growing up in Baltimore City. I just assumed that it was uh based out of you know, maybe maybe fear. Um so what was it like raising, you know, a a young teenage boy in Baltimore City in the nineties? There was fear <laughs> because um I don't know if you I, I know that you remember one incident uh, in particular. You, you can tell the story, it's fine. <laughs> Ain't no secrets. Go ahead. Um, because we, we worry about our, our black boys in, in the city. You know, okay. that they do, do you want me to tell or are you going to tell? Uh, you tell it. You going to tell the story you, you want me to tell? <laughs> okay, so. I, you know what? No. I would love to hear the story from your perspective. You've heard me tell it. But from my perspective, um, well, before I even get to that, worrying about our young black boys in the city is always forefront. There's a scripture that I always quote about Mary when she was told that she was going to have a, a, a son, etc. And all the through Jesus life and the, the scripture that I attach to motherhood is she kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Hmm. But then we get to the issue of Halloween. Oh, man. <laughs> okay, we're here. Now <laughs> we get to Halloween. Well, that was one, one thing that happened that really, really, um, you know, impacted me that day because, um, as usual, children see things from a different perspective as their parents they want to have fun they want and you know parents are always the ones that are telling you you can't do this and you can't do that but in the meantime we are we are just trying to to keep you safe and you and mr marcus decide that you're going to go down to the church for halloween which we provided activities at the church so that you won't be on the street we didn't want you walking. Walking, yeah, yeah. Even though it was maybe half a block or whatever, it but, was three blocks. It was but three blocks. The instructions were, and of course, like, oh yeah, we can just go over. Like, no, we don't want you walking on the street. When you get ready to leave from uh, Saint Mark United Methodist Church, call. Mm. Next thing I know, 
I'm in the living room, sitting there, and there's a knock at the door. I open the door, and there are these two policemen with my child, but his face looks like oh, a punching ball. And then they tell me the story. And at that moment, I'll be honest, there were all kinds of emotions. I was angry, and I was scared all mixed up together i was mm. angry that you didn't listen and at the same time i was scared because i saw how you looked and at the same time i was giving god thanks that you were alive so there were all kinds of emotions mixed up in there um i don't remember anything except for the anger well, there you go again, you know, because the, the child is looking, oh, my mommy's upset with me, but you don't know the toil that your mommy is going through, you know, because I, I'm thanking God that you're safe and you're alive. But at the same time, I know what could have happened. Could have been, yeah. yeah. You know, so I'm angry that that you and Marcus didn't listen to the instructions. And... um. So, yeah, life in the city was rough. So, yes. That that night was a night that I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, was, it was it was rough. It's just you know for a long time. Uh, yeah, again for our listeners, if you've ever heard any stories about West Indian parents, um, you know is is there's this thing where it's almost like you know if if you get killed, I'll kill you. <laughs> like wait hold on what <laughs> but i i get it i gotta admit i 120 percent get it yes yes just so, i just wanted to say thank you mm-hmm. uh yeah i wish you a happy mother's day uh i love you and i i even though i don't remember thinking of it that way um yeah I enjoyed waiting up for you. Yeah. You would so. always be there on the couch. I remember that. And I would walk in the door and I will say, here he is. Why didn't he go to his bed? Like, no, you had to wait. Nope. You had to wait <laughs> for me to come home before you would go to bed. That that was special. As, as when we become adults, uh, you wonder, are you giving back? You know, or, or have you taken more than you've given? And which is, you know, kind of the job of a child, but it warms my heart to know that there were some things that I did for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love you. Yeah. So happy Mother's Day. Thank you. I, I just need to know that fight. Did you get one lick uh, in at least? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was deep. So. Who did you uh, fight? Some random dudes. All right, so dudes? It, it was so funny because mom was like, "Oh, oh yeah, it was, it was, it was a beatdown. It was, it was terrible." Uh, my homeboy was in this basketball league, and some of his homeboys had jumped somebody else, and he got recognized. It, and it's so funny; it's three blocks, right? So one and a half blocks in, the furthest point from both distances. This dude is like, yo, I know you. And he punches my dude, and dude goes straight down. My dude is like 6'3", 
you know, 250, and he just crumbles. And I'm like, all right. So I run up on the dude, and uh, so I push him, but there was another cat that was on a bike, and he zips off. So I look back, and my boy gets up and just runs. Oh, you're... Your right. quote unquote right. friend. So he runs. <laughs> I look like what? And turn around. <laughs> this is something out of a show right here. I remember getting that. That one was what 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 what, what gave me the the shiner. Um, bro, what, what yeah, that's true. And nothing punch. else. You know what happened after that, man? I don't even. I was at home. I was at home. So so once that happened, and not to go too much into it. So I realize it's time to run. Uh, so I'm running. So we're in the street and I'm hitting every car I run by because I'm like, if enough alarms go off, uh, somebody got to come. And then I see a group of dudes and I'm like, somebody from that dude got to be from my clique. And dude behind me was, no, the dude on the bike was like, that's the, that, that beat up such such. And the whole group turned around, like the Wu-Tang Clan turned around. <sighs> so, yeah. Yeah, same Glad here, man. It, All I remember was Timberlands. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm I, yeah. I, 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 I have some more questions I want to ask. But anyways, I'm we we glad you safe. <laughs> yeah. Man. So we started this show and you talked about you're excited about this new season in your yeah. life, a new job. For those who don't know, you do diversity and inclusion work. Do you think that any of your current work has anything to do with um, your mom? And the reason why I ask is because she became a reverend at a time when women weren't particularly welcome um, in the church. And if not for her, you know, commitment to pushing through and to, you know, following what she believed her path. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just putting something that wasn't there, but I'm curious to to hear your take on I, it. I think if anything, with my both of my parents being in ministry and active ministries, uh, service has always been a big part. So, for example, like my dad, his favorite thing was on uh, doing communion Sunday and going to the sick and and giving them communion. Uh, my mom. She was, her whole thing was education. And even since I was a little kid, she was, she, again, like I said, she'd be there. She'd be the one to get all the kids off the street and say, hey, you know, let's have some conversations. Um, when I was young, that's when The Simpsons came out and all the kids was watching The Simpsons. And, you know, that was like the bad show, right? And, but she was right. like, all right, y'all watched it. Let's watch it. Then let's talk about it. Uh, so, this kind of meeting people where they are, allowing them to share their story and not making assumptions about people was just something that I thought everyone did. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I learned that this world is a lot colder than that, but uh, it stuck with me. And again, just like B said, you know, just her spirit alone, uh, you know, of course, it's a little different when you the child. You're like, man, the spirit wasn't there. On my twelfth birthday, but um, we, <laughs> but um, nah, man, yeah. So I really think just her always being willing to hear someone's story 
uh, plays a role with me caring about other people's stories. And I think that's the key. I think that's the key to coming together. I have to tell you, man, <clears throat> the shoe was on the other foot and we're at the door. And our kid comes home like we feel like our parents, right? Uh, like, like huh. I was listening to your mom's and she had three instant thoughts yeah, all at one time. It was my son, the cops, safety. Yep. And that's remarkable in the sense of still keeping her composure. Yeah. Right. Not presenting in the way that added more to the situation. And also in thinking about after this door closes, I'm going to make sure he all right. <laughs> but then I'm going to make sure he all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Like I said, I just didn't want to. Like, I've never heard her. Excuse me. I've never heard her tell the story. Like, you know, we had the family reunions and we all tell the stories and she just sit back listening to me, give her, give her the blues. Uh, so this was actually the first time that I heard her tell the story. And I was like, all right, I'm taking it to him because I can't imagine one of my daughters coming home like that. Nah. Yeah. Boy, yeah. boy, 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 boy. Yeah. But listen, also in the wake of everything that's happening right now with cops. Like, that's a blessing in disguise. You made it, right? You, you made it back to the crib. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever happened to your boy that ran away? That's what I want to know. Hey, Marcus. He, he a track coach? <laughs> is, he, is, is he a track coach? <laughs> you know, it's funny, man. Ever oh. since that moment, Marcus has always been there for me. I think, like, deep down inside, he's always felt guilty for, uh, for dipping. Why you don't call him out twice? Hey, I mean... I just wanted him to do it one more time. I just wanted to do it like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. I just wanted him to do it one more time. What's his name again? Uh, Marcus. Hey, Marcus, if you out there listening, do you remember the sound like this? I got clocked. One more time. Marcus. What's your 40 time, Marcus? What's your 40 time? Believe it or not, after that scenario, you went out with his sister. Our friendship got stronger. And I ended up being the best man at his wedding. You know, Cause he um, felt bad. He felt bad. You're the best man. You just... <laughs> he like this man. This man for me. For, for me, right oh, in the eye. And Tim's man. in the mouth too. Yeah, of course, you his best man. He's uh, he's a great guy, man. He's good. Guy. Good. Good. So D, man, it's your turn. Um, I gotta say, I I, I love your mom, man. Um, and I see a lot of you. Uh, just as a result of my little experiences with her, she's um, she's real straightforward, man, and she uh, she just so she's so frank and loving at the same time. It's like a beautiful mix. So I just wanted to know, you know, I mean, have you ever done anything like this with your mom before? Y'all just seem so natural. My mother and I talk a lot, uh-huh. almost almost daily. Um, and sometimes more than once a day. Um, so we, mm. we're in constant communication and not, not in a mother son sort of way, but just, uh, these are the things I'm working on. These are the things I'm thinking about. These are different issues that are going on. So we, 
we've been able to have a lot of really frank conversations. Um, the one that we that that you're about to hear is not one that we'd ever had before. Mm. Um, so I was I was interested as to you know what would come out of it. But um, yeah, man, it, it was a good experience. But um, okay, okay, keep keep it. Don't say nothing else. Let us hear it. Bet. All right, so I'm excited. I can't even front. I have participated in a number of interviews since uh, starting the podcast, but I got a first today. I am interviewing my mother, Barbara, affectionately known by me, Bobby, and Grand Bobby to Ella Bruner. Um, Bobby, how are you? I'm good. It's good to talk to you this morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. We have our... As a longtime listener, it's interesting to be on the other side of it. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure. Get it right. (laughs) Um, First things first, happy early Mother's Day. Um, Happy Mother's Day every day. You are an incredible mom and follow a lot of this and all that good stuff. But I, I want to make sure that you know that you are appreciated in, in every single way. And so what we decided to do today, instead of maybe um, a survey style interview where I ask you kind of a bunch of scattershot questions that may give some um, a cursory understanding of who you are, I thought that maybe we could talk about one specific um, set of circumstances and, and maybe do a little bit deeper a dive than, than we would be able to in another interview. Um, so are you game for that? I'm up for whatever. Okay, sounds good. So what I was thinking is that we could talk about when I went away to college. And and not just when I went away, but the circumstances and all of the things that, that build up around college. Because um, it was a, a pretty monumental time in, in our life and, well, in my life. And, and it kind of, in my imagination, it marked the end of one chapter and, and the beginning of, of a lot that was to come. Fair? Yeah, absolutely. There was, that was such a fraught period. Um, there are lots of things that I remember distinctly. Oh, well, well wait a minute. Let's start there. Fraught. How so? <laughs> <laughs> well, just I think um, we didn't have a... Um, a model for how it should be. So I think you were laboring under one set of preconceptions and I was laboring under another and it made for some um, misunderstanding in some ways. Yeah, no, I I agree. And and that's one of the things I wanted to touch upon. But before we we go there, let's back up. Um, I tell people, and you know, everybody has their own narrative. When I tell people, because invariably they ask, well, how'd you come all the way to Washington, D.C.? from California. Isn't California great? I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm missing love everything about California, except Howard wasn't there. And I also add, and I wasn't allowed to go to school in California. Um, that was my understanding, that I didn't have permission to go to school in California. Is that the way you understood it? Not at all. I, <laughs> I think we both have our own nar- narratives. Sometimes they mesh and sometimes they don't. My thing was that you were an athletic athlete, right? That, well, you were an aquatic athlete, I should say. You were in water polo, you were in swimming, and you did well, and it was seemed to me a good outlet. So my thinking was you needed to go to school with an aquatics program, and that seemed to be either on the West Coast or the East Coast. So um, I think you looked at the University of Washington. Um, I, you're right. I don't know that you looked 
didn't that you looked at schools in California, but that wasn't because I discouraged it. Yeah, I always and, and and as I thought about this interview, you went to Scripps, which was for those who are who may not know. If you use LA as your, you know, as your starting point, how far is Scripps? Maybe fifty miles. Yeah, it's it's in Claremont, a small community uh, next to Pomona, California. For people who don't know California geography, they're both in, they're all in Southern California. So, my objective in going away to school was to live on campus, but be close enough that I could go home when I wanted. My decision making process was no more sophisticated than that. Yeah, I mean, I know it was important to me to go away, and I and I, you know, I at least that. The premise that I was working under is that I couldn't go to school in California. Now, that coupled with a couple things. One, we didn't really get along all that well my, my senior year. Um, and two, I wanted to go to a black school. Um, and once I got bitten by the HBCU bug, uh, one, that took water polo off the table. Uh, but two, there are no... HBCUs west of, I think, Langston and Oklahoma might be the furthest west. Right, right. There's none. And, and just so you know, your narrative that you weren't allowed to go to school in California, what I tell people is that you took out a map of the country, pinpointed Pasadena, where we're from, and took the ark over to D.C. and, and said, ah, that's far enough for my mother. This should work. So fair. So okay. So at, at least we agree uh, on the distance part. Um, so when I got to, so when it became time to go to Howard, and I found a picture, and we're going to use it actually for as a promo um, for this episode. And it was a picture that we took the day that I left to go to school, and I and I, I'm very clear to say I left because we took my belongings in a trunk to the Amtrak station put my belongings on a train and put me on an airplane and you stayed in California. Why in your estimation did you stay? Oh, okay. This is clear. I had planned, you know, money was not all that plentiful, but I had certainly planned to go to DC with you to college. You nixed that emphatically. Like, absolutely not. What are you doing? What do you think? And so here's the thing. My parents, of course, drove me because I was within driving distance. And we didn't have a whole lot of experience seeing people off to college. And that you adamantly didn't want me there. You know, there, there's, we had a dynamic of me being a single parent and, and us being very close and connected, even during periods where we weren't getting along. So that sometimes there was always this underlying thing about, you know, you don't want to make him a mama's boy. You don't want to, you know, be one of those intrusive, interfering mothers. So when you said no, I listened. Even though it was contrary to my instincts and what I wanted, it's like, okay, got to, got to, got to give. This is the first of the decisions that he's, that I've raised him to make. And if he says, you don't go, you don't go. And and so hindsight being what it is, I, I get to college, uh, I get to Howard, and I'm and I, I'm sure I'm not, but it appears that I'm the only person who's not there with their parents. And you know, we had mamas carrying in fans, we had like everything. They had TVs. I had a boombox. 
I had my luggage from the plane and I had a trunk that was going to be coming in three to five days. And I remember feeling like such a fool because what we did was what I knew, which was nothing, you know, and, and one thing that Ella gets honest and, and one thing that, that I've tried to temper, tamper down is like, I can take a hard stand and I knew that I had done it. I knew that it was important for me to go off to college by myself, but I had no idea how short-sighted and how selfish that was, to, to be honest. I, I didn't I didn't have the tools to even understand. And and in retrospect, and as a, as a parent now, I I cannot imagine the sacrifice that you made to agree to let me make that decision. And and, and that's I don't know. Well, and you know what? Now that we both know and have an understanding of what our thoughts were, I could have just asked you, well, why don't you want me to go? Or you do know that it's customary for parents to accompany their kids to college. I didn't know what you were laboring under, um, you know, and it could have. Um, well, and, 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 and let's say that I do remember visiting you on the, on the campus of Howard. I'm so proud of you because you, you clearly made it your home. It was your love for the institution was, was visible in all that you said and did. Um, do you remember when I looked around and, and I will say that the college I attended is more like um, there are aspects of Howard that are beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But the male dorm wasn't one of them. Oh, it's still not. That's like summer camp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're talking, as I recall, cedar block walls and re- reinforced screens on the windows. And I made the mistake of saying, dang, this looks like a correctional institution. And you looked at me and said, this is my home and I love it. And with the clear institution, you would brook no more criticism of any kind whatsoever. And I got the message. There was no criticism after that either. Shout out to Drew Hall. Uh, but so here's, so that visit that you allude to, it came a lot earlier than either of, I, uh, either of us anticipated. Um, early in my, my college career, maybe two months in, I tore my, my ACL and required surgery. I had to have a complete, um, a complete re- rebuild of my knee um, and have my meniscus taken out. And I remember being scared. And so you, who didn't come to college to see me in, you booked a flight. And I, and I didn't know, I just told you what was happening and I told you, um, you know, what had happened that they were, that they were scheduling the surgery. Once you got the dates, I remember you came in Thursday and I was, I was so happy to have you there because circumstances aside, we were able, I was able to show you the campus. You were able to see where I lived, whether you liked it or not. You were able to meet my roommate, which I wasn't supposed to have because I was supposed to be in a single, but I was able to kind of show you around Howard, even though it was under, you know, the circumstances. And you came in Thursday. The surgery was Friday. Saturday, you know, they woke me up and you helped to get me back home. And you were like, okay, I'm leaving. And I was like, wait, <laughs> what, what, where, where are you going? And, and your thing was, you had the surgery. You're good. I'm, I'm leaving. And I, I never, so I missed you when I checked into college and realized that 
that my fool ass self had created this set of circumstances where we both missed out on this opportunity. But I never missed you more than when you left. Because I think by that point, we were coming around to each other, or to be honest, I was coming around to you. And, and me being a man and you being my mother were not in conflict anymore. Right. And, you know, there was, there was no coming and going and your way or my way. We had the same goals. But uh, when you left, I was just like, whoa, do you remember that? No, I, it's so funny because I don't. I'm sure my objective was just to see to your well-being, but not intrude on your worlds. And so I, you know, I wanted to be there long enough to let you feel loved and supported and see you through the scary part, the surgery. And, you know, normally I might have even stayed around just to tour some of Washington, D.C., but I don't recall doing that. I just really wanted to stay focused on helping you through it and not linger because again that that societal disapproval that maybe was more in the back of my head than in reality that you know he's becoming a young man don't interfere with that temper your need to to overdo it you know because i i just did not want to be one of those people that allowed my needs to impede on, upon your growth well, one of the things that I like about us is that since that time, and, and not just that time, but, but since I've been able to kind of stand on my own, you and I have been able to interpret motherhood and, and, and our relationship and sonhood, if that's a thing, and, and my own fatherhood with, with Ella in a way that is, that is unique and is quirky, but is honest to us. And, and, and that's a gift and, and something that I'm not sure how we have been able to cobble together, but it's been work. It, it, it's, yeah. it's been a lot of work, but it's, it's, it's appreciated. And I just wanted to let you know that I, it has not always been easy, but, but um, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Well, you know what? One of the ways that I, I knew that I was on the right track towards raising the kind of young man that I wanted to have in the world as someone thoughtful, nurturing, responsible, caring, with a good sense of humor. And I, you've heard this anecdote before, but your, your listening audience has not. Um, once I was going to buy a stereo, you know, electronics wasn't my strong suit, but I knew that there was a discount place that sold, had stereos for sale. And I, I got it and brought it home and showed you, look, this is the stereo I got. So you sort of looked at it and you didn't say anything negative. You just said, next time you make a purchase like that, run it by me. And I laughed because I thought that was funny because you were 16 and I was the adult. Why do I need to run purchase? But <laughs> after the laughter subsided, your expression didn't change. You were dead serious. Like, <laughs> and, and I thought about it and I said, you know, that's, that's not a wrong premise. There, uh, there are areas that you're more informed about than I am. And maybe running it past you is not a bad idea. Now, I ultimately make my decisions about how I spend my money. But I think you'll notice that now when I do make major decisions, I run it past you. Not because... I need your approval, but because I value your opinion. And uh, I think that's good to have in a mother-son relationship or, a, 
you know, a, a parental child relationship, even a parental adult child. So, um, that, yeah, that's that was sort of a, a turning point among many. Yeah, no, I like it. So as we close out, you know, with Mother's Day upon us, you had a lot of models of motherhood, um, you know, some ideal, some uh maybe counterintuitive, what are some of the things that you think on and what are some of the images and people who are some of the people that you will pay honor to um, this year for Mother's Day? Ooh, I'm one of four daughters and my mother is deceased now, but her memory is is vivid, lasting, and comforting. So uh, her memory is... I mean, I just savor some of the things I learned from her, the example she said. And I, and I don't try to be her. I don't try to replicate her. She was unique and one of a kind and someone I love and admire. Uh, I just um, savor the memory of who she was. I have a host of aunts that I value and appreciate. I have a grandmother who is, was a quirky individual, to say the least. <laughs> and... Uh, um, you know, I think of her too because she aspects of her informed who I am uh, for all of her unique characteristics. I know she definitely loved me, so there's a lot to be said for unconditional love. Bobby, happy Mother's Day. I love you and thank you for the interview. Thanks, Dion. I love you too. You know that. Bye bye. Listen. If you've not met Bobby, you are truly missing out. D, um, you can clearly hear in how you and your mom communicate that you guys talk a lot. And in listening to your interview, I truly felt like I was in the house with you, taking the picture of you hugging your mother before you went to Howard. That picture not only says a million things, but that interview confirms everything that that picture said. And leaving California and flying all the way to the other side of the United States, One thing that resonated in the conversation with your mother is that she trusted you. And that trust wasn't established on the day of that picture. The trust was something that was worked on as you maneuvered through water polo, as you maneuvered through y'all relationship, as you maneuvered through a lot of things. But one of the questions that I have is, how did the foundation of that trust that your mom provided, how does that look today? in the trust that you have with Ella or the development of the trust that you will have for Ella. Sure. So, and, but let me start here in saying the craziest part is that she trusted me even knowing that I was wrong, mm-hmm. right? Like she, she knew my decision for her not to go because I needed to go to college by myself. She knew that there was going to be moms and dads there. She knew that I would probably be in the vast majority of people who actually went to college on their own. Mm. But but she gave me the space to be wrong on my own terms. And and that's something that 
you know, transitioning to the Ella part, that's really challenging. Mm, yeah. You know, because we try to save our children from their mistakes, you know, particularly when we think that they're going to be hurt. Yeah. But one of the things that I that I have to do is give her the space to make the mistakes. And I don't always. Um, or I give what I believe is enough of a controlled environment for you to make the mistake within in this little bubble that I've given you. Mm. But but the reality is sometimes the mistake is going out the door. Um, in my case, 3000 miles, you know, um, on, on a once in a lifetime thing, Yeah, yeah. you know, it's, it's not like you can take me to college next year. I mean, you can, but it's not the same, you know, um, and for the record, she didn't, um, <laughs> she's like, you gone. Um, but yeah, man. So as it relates to Ella, I just try to remember, um, that she has to, that she, that she will learn from these mistakes. And and that if I save her from the mistakes, that I'm also taking away the opportunity to learn a lesson. True. And, oh, go ahead, Harris. No, no, no. I was just saying this is beautiful, man. No, it was. It was. And I, I I just have to to laugh because as I was listening to the interview, the whole story about that radio and your and and, and your approach. Because I think you told us more offline about the radio and the purchase and how proud your mom was that she had made this purchase on her own. And in the D that we know today, in that his words were, next time you get a stereo, run that by me. Now, the first thing I thought about as a parent was, who the heck you think you're talking to? I ain't got to run nothing by you. But the other piece, too, was tell the second half of that story about how the electronic store got over on your mom. So it only took about two seconds for me to look at the setup, right? It, now, now it, was, it was quality, right? It, it, was, it was top of the line, but they sold her Bose outdoor speakers. What? For her indoor stereo. So, so whatever the cost was, tack on hundreds oh of dollars God. because she had outdoor weatherproof speakers for her indoor setup. And so I didn't want to tell her that at the time um, because, you know, I didn't want to shatter, you know, because she was proud of herself. Yeah, but we all know your facial expressions. Bruh. But, you know, she... She ignored it because, and, and to be clear, like I grew up in one of those households where we only had one TV and that TV was the TV that somebody else gave us when they got a TV. So we didn't have new stuff. So that stereo might've been the first new thing technology wise that we ever had. And so when I saw it, you know, I knew that she had got got, but I, I also didn't want to like crush her to tell her why I knew. So I got to wonder, man, um, knowing that the two of you were on such different pages about the why, um, if you could do it all over, I mean, you know, basic question, if you could do it all over, uh, would you do it different? You know, it's tough for me. And part of me would say no, because I love the relationship that we have now. But in retrospect, my decision was so incredibly selfish. Mm. You know, when we hear about a kid graduating, we tend to graduate to congratulate the family because it's a it's a communal effort. 
a communal accomplishment, yeah. right? So going off to college is that important transition. And so I will say this, while I took that from her, um, she, all right, she uh, went to the Bahamas and I got a postcard saying, hoped everything worked out. Hilarious. Right. So we, we oh. left that out, but yeah. And, and look, it didn't even have, it just had my name and it had the name of the dorm because I didn't have a room yet. So she must've dropped me off at the oh. airport and then went and got on another flight. But, you know, but I think I would keep things the same as much as, um, as much appreciation for her sacrifice uh, that came from it. I wouldn't want to lose that. What's up, man? All right, before we close out, um, I think it's fitting um, and in Dad Jean's fashion um, that we each say something a little special um, to the beautiful women in our lives. I want to give a shout out to Fiza um, and happy Mother's Day, baby. I love you. Um, not only are you a great wife, but you are an outstanding mother. Um, and without you, I am empty and lost. And again, I just want you to know that you are honored on this day and beyond. Yeah, yeah. I want to say, uh, Mallory, I love you, baby. Um, I know I always claim myself as an empath, but um, you're you're a special kind of mother. You're the type of mother who sees something, will make the changes, and everyone will be wondering why you're doing it. And then once it's done, everyone just feels better because of it. And um, you know, as somebody who isn't the biggest fan of change. Uh, I am so happy that you are my wife and the mother of my children. And I just want to say to Tamika, thank you. You know, this past year has not been an easy one. There have been transitions in both of our lives. There have been health challenges. And we, in my in my uh, perspective, we have not operated better. You know, and I just want you to know that I appreciate you. I celebrate you. And while we have changed, um, our daughter has had an opportunity to watch two people love on her and care for each other um, in a way that I think will be meaningful to her. And I thank you for that. So with that, fellas, we just want to say to these women in our lives and to all the mothers out there, happy Mother's Day. This has been the Dad Jeans Podcast, and we just thank you for joining this Mother's Day tribute. We love hearing from you, our listeners, and, you know, tell us your stories, your your um, experiences with your mothers. And, uh, you know, who knows, maybe we'll get a chance to share some of that. You can do that on our social media or even send us an email at info at dadjeanspodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram at, and Facebook at dadjeanspodcast. Uh, as always... If you like what you heard, please subscribe and share the pod with others. And of course, you know, you have to give us a five stars, five stars. You got to give us a five star review. And um, that just helps out the show. It gives us an opportunity to become more visible and just to share this wonderful work uh, for helping fathers, their families and their communities. So stay safe. Stay sane. Yes. Do good. And until next time. Peace. 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 Somebody sound like they chewing on gizzards. <laughs> you better not put that in there, D. <laughs> <laughs>